Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome into episode 26 of the Landscape Photography Show. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest from my home state. I guess I don't really own it. I just live here, per se, and I shoot here a lot. So a lot of the places that Jerry talks about in this podcast are places that I'm very familiar with. We have Jerry Greer on the podcast And Jerry talks about something that I went through too. I took six months off from photography. Jerry took several years off from photography. So I wanted to talk to him about why he decided to take that time off, what he went through during that, and even what drove him to return. Take a listen. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome into the podcast. On today's podcast, we have Jerry Greer. Jerry is a nature photographer from my state that I call home in Tennessee. And he's from Johnson City, Tennessee, which was made famous by Old Crow Medicine Show, of course. (laughs) Um, Jerry, kind of give us a background on how you got started in nature photography and and maybe even some of the people that that you looked up to and and drew inspiration from. Well, I'd have to say, you know, photography in general, you know, it was high school you know, in back in the eighties. Um, I'm kind of an old guy. So, uh, you know, I graduated in 82. So I guess the end of the seventies to, uh, the early eighties is when I got started in photography, um, kind of drifted away for a few years as we seem to always do, you know, if we find new things to do and, and, uh, then I spent some time in the military. I'm a first Gulf War vet. And then that's when I got back into it. After I got out and I was in Colorado and stayed there for seven years and got back into nature photography or outdoor photography is what I would really uh, consider it. Um, and um, came home just to, to photograph in the mountains here. And of course, that's where I started my own publishing company and, and those things as well. They all kind of, you know, continued to, to, you know, roll into this bigger, bigger thing for me. Did you touch cameras at all, like after high school and in the military? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but were you? I mean, mostly film back then. It was the difficult. All, it was all film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, the difficulty of that getting into a dark room or just sending your your photos off. You know, it, it's always interesting to me thinking about trips that I go on now. Like I just got back from Kenya and took over seven thousand images, and I was joking with my wife. Can you imagine if all of these were film? Well, so. You, you've, you've never really shot film, right? I shot film in high school. Okay. So back in, in my time, <laughs> so you could go anywhere. You could go anywhere and do your, and, and have your film processed. Mm-hmm. It was so easy. Um, you know, it was, could be costly depending on what you were shooting. Uh, but it was, 
you know, you go really anywhere to get your transparencies, uh, you know, processed, basically. See, I had to think about that processed. Uh, it's been so long. But, um, you know, today, you know, there's still a lot of shooters, but it's very specific. You know, if you're a professional shooter shooting, uh, you know, film, whether it be transparency or, or you know, black and white or what have you, you either have to do it yourself or you have to ship it off. Um, so, you know, it, it really was, was pretty easy. Now, now I do, I do feel that, you know, that us guys that shot film back then, we're the, we're the old school guys. So we're the ones that complain when everybody, uh, <clears throat> turns up the, uh, saturation slider, uh, or the, uh, the dehaze filter or, you know, whatever, you know, it makes these <laughs> unnatural looking images. Um, but, uh, Hey, you know, it's, it's to each their own, you know, what, what you like as, as, as photography, I'm a little more of a documentary type, uh, photographer for the most part. How does that go into your workflow in the field and in the outdoors documentary style? Um, you know, for the most part, I, I've, when I'm, when I'm not shooting in landscape stuff or outdoor stuff, I'm possibly working on an environmental or conservation, uh, an assignment. So I tend to shoot what's in front of me. Um, you know, I'm trying to tell a story with the images. I think you can see it in my work, um, but uh, you know sometimes people like it, sometimes they don't. It depends on the, I guess, the era when you grew up in photography or when you really got interested in photography or the type of photography you like. You know, I lean to conservation, environmental, social documentary, which you'll see a lot more of that upcoming. I've got a project that I'm going to be working on for the next year that I've wanted to do for probably 20 years. And I'm finally going to do it. I can, you know, that was probably the advantage of taking five years off. Mm -hmm. You tease that. Are you, are you going to share? I mean, are you going to tell us what the project is? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's fair. I'll maybe we, we talk about it a little bit, but, uh, <clears throat> but you know, it's, um, you know, the, the, the five-year sabbatical, you know, it, it, it didn't do well for my photography business. Uh, didn't really hurt my publishing and my custom publishing and my uh, uh, print brokering business. Uh, allowed for me to actually, you know, really concentrate on getting that uh, kind of rolling to where I'm doing other people's work instead of doing my own. Mm -hmm. which is really fun. Uh, I love it. I'm good at it. Uh, and I became good at it because I got into it to produce my own books. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about that a little bit more down the road because that's a whole nother aspect of what I do. You know, creating books, helping people create books, uh, calendars, those type of things. So... Well, if you look on, and you alluded to this just a second ago, if you look on your, your blog, on your website, you know, the last post, I think it's the third post down. The last one was July 8th, 2012. The next 
recent one was July 6, 2019. What happened to make you jump out of outdoor photography? A daughter. Good answer. So, you know, I, long story short, I had two wonderful business partners in my publishing business. And that's Richard Burnaby. Everybody knows Richard. And Ian Plant. Ian actually came to me when he first really got serious about photography. He was still a, an, an, uh, an attorney in D.C. And he wanted to get involved and he wanted to be part of my publishing company. And so he bought into it and we just went nuts. I mean, we were putting out books after books after books. And the whole idea was we go out and photograph and we do our books. And then we decided we'd bring other people in. And I mean, other people in to do books. So it was really about photographing for our projects, our book projects. And in that time, I went through a really, really bad divorce. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, Richard came in. Now, Richard and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, he was on his own. And, of course, we talked him into to jumping in the business with him. So there was three of us. And he ran our workshop end of it, Mountain Trail Photo. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of where all that came from. Uh, we were doing photo workshops. Uh, and we were also publishing books. And then, you know, with my divorce, you know, things, it really works on you. And um, so, you know, it was, a, it was about a three-year ordeal for me because uh, I was married for 17 years. And uh, so, um, you know, it wore on Ian and I because we were not quite the same uh not the same friendship that Richard and I had. And, and mm -hmm. I bought, I bought Ian out uh, and, you know, he took off and, and started doing his own thing, which everybody knows. I mean, I mean, Ian's an incredible photographer and, yeah. and uh, I love, I love, you know, watching his, uh, his videos and things. He's just, you know, he's a class act. He's, you know, he's one of the best. And then of course, Richard, he stayed a couple of extra years. Um, and finally, you know, I, pushed him on out and, and, uh, you know, and look where he is today. Probably, mm -hmm. I, you know, I consider Richard, you know, a great friend, but he's also one of the top photographers in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I hope, you know, in the future, you know, we talk all the time and I hope, you know, in the future, you know, I can, we can do a project together or something. Who knows? Um, I'd love to love to work with him on, you know, some of his, uh, his, you know, Africa stuff hopefully I can talk him into doing a book at some point because mm -hmm. his last book before, well, it's not his last one. His, his wildlife book was done in the UK, but before that I did his last one. So, uh, but in the end, you know, I, I, in all those, those, what, three, four, four year time span, uh, I got remarried and got the little girl that I always wanted. And at that point, I just couldn't travel anymore because we were doing workshops. I was doing workshops and I just didn't want to travel anymore. 
Um, I grew up with a with a with a father that was a high school basketball coach, so he was gone all the time. You know, you're mm-hmm. married. You you know, he's basically his kids are his team. If I wasn't on the team, which I was, but uh, you know, basically you're just a team member. So uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want that to happen with my daughter. So I decided to basically jump back into uh, you know I worked in commercial sales con- construction commercial construction sales for years on the side as I built my photography business so you see where where I did differently a lot of photographers do w- weddings mm-hmm. uh, I, I did I did commercial construction so <laughs> uh, so in the end it worked out a lot better um, but um, so I just decided to, to step away because you know we did have that crash. The 2008, yeah. you know, it, it was bad. I mean, it, it was bad for uh, for everything all the way around. Um, so, you know, that helped push me into that that five years off, and it was good. You know, I did a lot of other things. I ran a nonprofit for you know because I, I was I was a mountain biker, uh, so I ran a nonprofit uh, here for four years, and that was kind of fun. Just cause I wanted that experience of running a nonprofit like that, you know, grants and those type of things. So, uh, you know, it was, it was fun. It, it kept me in the outdoors, but you know, as a photographer, you know, it's kind of like a drug, you know, when you're out in the mountains, uh, you're always looking for that photograph. And when I didn't have my camera, it always put me in a bad mood. So, <laughs> So it wasn't fair to my wife and my, and my daughter that, you know, I was missing my camera because uh, I felt like I had to have that uh, that image, you know. Um, so in in the end, you know, the bike and, and those things got me over that. And, and honestly, you know, I started shooting again, uh, what I've been last spring, really. So a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was... My, my my good friend uh, Nye Simmons, you know Doctor Nye. Nye Simmons? I don't know. Yeah. I was reading him about him on your blog, though. Yeah, yeah. Nye is, uh, you know, he's a doctor. You know, he's got all the, you know, the he goes out west, you know, all the time. Just flies out and goes and shoots in the desert. He comes here and he shoots. I've done a couple of books uh, for him. Um, he's got a great book, the the Photographer's Guide to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Mm-hmm. You should get that book. If you shoot, yeah, the Smokies, if you shoot in the Smokies, you got to, you, you need that book. Cause mm-hmm. especially if you, if you're not sure where to go, but, uh, but man, it's, uh, you know, he just hounded me for years to get back in it. And Richard, same deal. You know, he, he just kind of hammered on me, dude, when are you going to, when are you going to start shooting again? And I just, you know, decided, you know, it's time. So, uh, and now I'm shooting again. So it's, uh, it's really fun. You know, life is, I feel pretty fulfilled right now, you know, back, you know, behind the camera and working on a project that I never thought that I would, uh, ever do wanted to, but never, th- I didn't think I would be able to, mm-hmm. cause it's not, it's not nature photography. Was it essential for your creativity to, to take that hiatus? Yes, I was, and I'm still not happy with photography in general. I spent five years shooting a large format camera and nothing else. 
So uh, that changes a person. You know, first off, you get really good exposure because <laughs> at five bucks a shot, it can it can get costly. Yeah. And you also, you, you start learning exactly what the camera does because you can't see it mm-hmm. until after you process it. And, you know, I even went a whole nother step. I, I ended up buying a, um, oh man, the name of that machine totally escapes me. Um, but it's the, it's the, it's the, the, uh, the machine that, uh, you can, you can set up in your house. Uh, it's, you don't have to be in a dark room and you can process your film and why I can't think of it. I guess that's my old age. Hey I'll man, I'm all digital. So you're, <laughs> I have no idea, but it was really great. Cause I, you know, I, I, I processed my own large format film and now I did shoot transparency. Um, so, and I shot Astia 100, which was a really, uh, nice mellow film. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't shoot uh, Velvia very, very seldom did I shoot Velvia because I just thought the colors were stupid. Uh, but, uh, you know, this this whole process, you know, the camera, the, the di- different cameras that I use, the film, uh, those things kept me grounded. But then with the the crash and the changes you know i got really it's somewhat cynical uh you know the, just the photography in general was just irritating me uh the the digital camera the the people not controlling and it's really it's it's not for me to say that you know the, the images stupidly oversaturated <laughs> or mm. or just unnatural uh, skies, those things. Uh, but for a photographer that's grounded in film, I understand that photography, and most of us understand that photography is solely, uh, it's, it's connected to reality. It's totally dependent on reality. So unlike a painter where we can, you know, if a painter's got a good vivid imagination, you know, he can sit in his his house and never leave and paint some beautiful scene. But as a photographer, we have to go out and find our subject. And I just feel strongly about uh, what's laying before me, you know, uh, doesn't mean that I'm not going to, make it pleasing. I'm not going to work with the colors to make it very natural, but you know, I may accentuate some colors, which I do. Um, you know, if we, if we say we don't, we're stupid and we're lying, but I don't know. It just, I guess it's Instagram, you know, those stupid filters, you know, you push one button and you can have cinematic look or another one, with uh, black and white or another one, um, you know, an oversaturated, over contrasty, just, you know, that type of thing. Um, I just got really, I needed to get away. How's that? Cause it was pissing me off. I wanted to bring you into the break playing a little Tennessee guitar since we're celebrating the great state of Tennessee with Jerry and I on the podcast. 
But I wanted to take this time to talk about today's sponsor for the podcast, and that's visualwilderness.com. You can go to visualwilderness.com right now and get tons of resources on how to become a better landscape photographer. I'm a contributor to that site, and you can get all of my courses on visualwilderness.com right now for 33% off if you use the code David33 during checkout. You can go to davidjohnstonart.com slash podcast to find all of those links and also today's show notes. What changes I'm interested in, and when I was looking back at your blog and, and reading your post about the break that you took, um, changes in when you left and when you came back, like what did you see? And it could be business side, it could be what you just talked about on social media or the community of photographers? Uh, I, well, I, I certainly miss the community. Um, mm. uh, you know, yeah, we all like to be on our own and running around the mountains and, and, and hiding from, uh, uh, from, you know, every, everyday life. Um, but man, I loved hanging out with my photographer friends. Uh, you know, I loved, you know, meeting up with Nye in the, uh, in the mountains and, and, you know, spending, you know, a week, uh, just rolling you know, and, and, and shooting and, you know, after sunset, walking back to the truck and cracking open a bottle of awesome vino and, you know, and, and sitting back and thinking about the evening and, you know, and then, uh, waking up at, you know, an hour or two hours before sunrise with a hangover and climbing to the, uh, to the top of tenant mountain and, uh, you know, setting up a view camera and, you know, grabbing some awesome, uh, sheets of, you know, a film, you know, taking some sheets of film and, uh, it was a good time and I missed it big time, but I had to check completely out. It was really weird. I was gone for a while. Again, and then that wasn't great for my photography business, uh, but it was good for me. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I really got into photography, uh, of course, I followed Ian, I followed Richard. I had heard of you and I'd seen some of your work, but then it was just like when I really started getting into it, you just dropped off. I did. I was gone. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't find you anywhere, man. Yep. And, uh, you know, again, it was not great for my photography business, but and I, I'll say that over and over and over and over and over. Uh, uh, sometimes I wish I'd have done it a little differently, but I, I don't think that I would have came, I would have been at peace, um, with myself if I had not have come done a complete break. Because mm-hmm. I was allowing for the market to guide my art. And I want to, I want to be the driver. Um, so I kept my clients that allow me to be the driver. Uh, and the ones that wanted to drive me, I didn't. So you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, now I get to drive 
and I'm going to drive. So I'm not so worried about the money that I bring in for my photography. Uh, I do, you know, my two businesses are together, you know, Mountain Trail Press and Great Photography are now one. So uh, what I really love doing is is creating books. Um, I want, I'll be doing another one of, of my own work uh, soon, uh, in a, probably next year. But uh, something totally different. Um, but I love doing books for other people. I do all of Eric Stenson's work. Um, you know, Eric, uh, uh-huh. Rocky. Yeah. I do all of his work. Um, you know, I've got a bunch of projects rolling right now. Uh, Robert Stevens, you know, Robert. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I just did his book for him. His new, uh, seasons book. We killed that one. We knocked a home run. It's, it's beautiful. Well, let's talk about books yeah. a little bit more. Um, when you mention books to me, you know, I'm 32. I'm a little bit younger. To me, I, I just, it's good to get my hands on a book that, that has photography that tells the backstory on it, but they're rare. How, how, what's the workflow and what's the process of creating a great book? Not, not a good book, but a great book. Well, you know, I, I guess for me, you know, like Blue Ridge was my last book. Blue Ridge, mm-hmm. uh, Ancient Majestic. That was a six-year project. Um, I had a writer, um, you know, Charles Maynard. Um, he uh, He's the the founding executive director for uh, Friends of the Smokies. Uh, Charles lived here. He was a Methodist minister. And I think now he's actually retired for the most part. But, uh, but you know, he's, he is a historian for the Blue Ridge. So he wrote the text. Um, and that book, I really, at some point, I think I may reprint it because the stories that are in that book are amazing because mm-hmm. it gives, you know, history as well as the present and preservation and conservation. Exactly, you know, what drives me. And I was lucky enough to have the photographs to, for you know, from working all those years in the Blue Ridge, uh, that actually worked with that timeline, with everything that he that he you know wrote about in the book. I had what we needed. Um, I think a photography book, the days of just a nature photography book with just photographs and. Uh, captions and that's it uh that won't work why you need a story so you know this is the problem that i've had with nature photography in general you know i'm running to different locations to take a pretty picture and that is the story it's shallow you know it's it's a it's it's just I, I want to tell a story. That's, that's, that's the new, that's the new me. And this is the struggle that I've had for the last year and why I finally am going to be doing this project that I'm going to be doing (laughs) that I keep alluding to. Uh, (laughs) But, um, you know, 
telling a story is your key. Because as a photographer, you know, it's a novel. We're, we're trying to create a novel without words. So um, there needs to be some type of, of timeline, something that, that uh, so, so basically you either have to have a, photo, a group of photographs, a portfolio of photographs that are telling a story, or you've got to have, you've got to tell a story and have photographs within. So that's what I did with Blue Ridge. And it, it won the Read and Write and Rental Writers Award. Uh, Charles won that, you know, my author won it, you know. I, mm -hmm. um, and, of course, it was my book, but he was the author. So he got, you know, it was great because, you know, it's, it's just really great when you bring an author into a project and then he went, you get him an award. Mm -hmm. and, and he got it himself because of the, of the great writing. But, you know, I think it was really the fact that, the photographs and the text told the complete story. And I think that's what a successful book is. Now, number two, here's where photographers suck is we want to take photographs and do a book and find a publisher and do a book and then go about our way and go take more pictures to do another book. And it doesn't work that way. This is where photographers suck. <laughs> Most photographers are not salespeople. So the deal with a, a you know a, a quality book that's that sells is the photographer has to take the time off after that book's released and go sell it. As a publisher, I can get it on the shelves, but I can't make people co go in and buy it. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So I, I, once we released Blue Ridge, I took a, a year off. I shot a little bit, but I took a year off. And Charles and I did, I think, around 30 book signings. And I was on morning shows in, up in Roanoke, Virginia, all the way down the Blue Ridge. So, you know, I drove people to the book. You know, I told them where they could get it. You know, I, I gave them that reason to go and look for it. So um, that's what you got to do. If you want a, success, a successful book, you've got to drive people to that book. You got to, you got to get them to the shelves. Um, and, and I've, you know, my buddy and I, we, he did one of the most beautiful books, the, the his celebrations uh, book for the Blue Ridge Parkway. Uh, it was just a very expensive, very beautiful book, but the sales were dismal on it because Nye was a, he's a doctor. So the only time that he had free was basically when he, you know, when he wanted to go shoot, because the rest of the time he's an ER doc. So, you know, he was busting his butt, you know, and he still does to this day, uh, you know, he's still working as a doctor taking great shots, but it was really, really hard for him to actually drive people to buy that book. So, you know, it was, it was a slow seller. Um, you know, Blue Ridge sold 3,500 copies in uh, about 27 months. And that's successful for a $40 book. You know, it's, it was a big book. How do you, I mean, I guess my, my thought in that is that 
where we are now in business, mm -hmm. if we want to talk business side of photography, it's hard to take a whole year off, man. You know, everything is centered around speed online and getting information out. So once you're done, it's almost like people expect you to start the next. Well, then you just have to make the decision on whether or not uh, you're, you're going to take that extra amount of time that you would just, you know, hang out, you know, and, and rest. <laughs> and, and you, you still, if you do a book project, well, I can tell you now, there's no publisher going to do what we used to do at, uh, and fund the projects ourselves. They're going to force you to fund it. In other words, pay for the printing. And then they're going to give you a small royalty. So in the end, uh, making your money back is really, really hard today in today's thing. So what I recommend for photographers is to do a project, use your social media base and work your tail off and offer it direct where you can actually, you know, if the book's 40 bucks, you know, and, and let's say the printing's, you know, 15, you know, you get that difference. You, know, mm -hmm. you make the bucks. If I always remind people, if you're if you're selling uh, wholesale, in other words, if you're allowing a retailer to sell that product, they're going to want fifty percent discount. Mm -hmm. So if it's forty bucks, and they're going to want fifty, so you they're going to pay you twenty, and it costs you fifteen to do it, so you make five bucks. So you know you use them for what you can, but the main main deal is is you have to be committed to that project. So, I mean, hey, you know, if you if you if you do a quality book and you work it right, you can make some pretty good money uh, and you can do it really, really well. You can also I sold a lot of prints uh, from my Blue Ridge book, the residuals uh, from, uh, you know, print sales was shocking because once that book was done, once I, you know, it was finally gone uh, and I didn't reprint, uh, you know, I watched those print sales just dry up because you know, there was nothing driving it. Not, I mean, there's some people buy off the internet, but not the same as if they saw it in a book. It's just different. I'm seeing a lot of photographers that I follow start to make books, which surprised me. But at the same time, it didn't surprise me because I feel like in photography, we've reached the point of longing for nostalgia. And what I mean by that is kind of what you alluded to. I think we've reached the end of the Instagram age. And in the cycle, we're going back to meaningful photography and photography with story and not just comp stomping every famous photograph out there. Is that kind of what you see as well? Mm, I'm not sure about that. Uh, you know, I, uh, I think a lot of, of, of photographers that go and do books today, uh, I doubt very seriously if they make any money off of them. Um, depending on, you know, well, it depends on the photographer. A lot, I mean, a lot of the photographers that's been in the business for a really long time that are now doing books. Yeah, that's different, but I'd, I'd hesitate to push anyone uh, that's new into the, you know, you know, in the last 10 years to jump right in and, you know, knock down a big book. 
know, everybody wants to do a hardcover, but that's not the smartest thing to do. Um, you know, throwing, throwing down, you know, uh, 10, 10 grand to do a, you know, a, a hardcover or, you know, it could be even more depending on how many, but, uh, you know, Instagram, I just, uh, I just, you know, it's a necessary evil. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where as, you know, as a, as a business, I feel like I've got to be on it. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I, I see some photographers that are, um, you know, sticking with their guns and, and, and doing beautiful, uh, beautiful work and telling a story or, uh, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a tough, it's a tough thing, uh, in, in, you know, nature photography, you know, unless it's tied to environmental work, it's really hard to tell a story, you know, it's just running around taking pictures of, uh, beautiful scenes. You know, I, what? I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm a little skewed from, you know, the conservation work. What about calendars? Well, you know, I, I retired my calendar. What 2019 was my last calendar, uh, but that was 2018 when it was printed. So you're always a year ahead. It was really weird. You know, when I go to sign a check, which I don't write, we, we, none of us write many, many checks, but I had to really think about it because I'm always a year ahead. Uh, but, you know, I, I finally killed my calendar. I used to do my Blue Ridge calendar. So uh, I did it for 14 years and I was up to about 8,000 calendars a year. I mean, I was making great money on my calendars. I mean, it was amazing. Um, and then by the time I got rid of it, um, uh, you know, I hate to say got rid of it, uh, cause I've got a lot of people still mad over, uh, you know, me dropping the calendar. I call it sunsetting, but, uh, I was down to a thousand calendars a year. Unless you have a kind of a captive audience like like billy does a cade's cove calendar i do i do billy billy's work i do all of his mm-hmm. books and all of his calendars and you know he's he has a captive market at the in in the in the smokies so he does about 4500 calendars a year which is amazing i don't i don't know many people that are doing that kind of uh numbers uh in calendars but uh-huh. um Barnes and Noble, all those guys, they're terrible, you know. Uh, and now, if you re- if you recall, in the last yeah six seven years, maybe, you know, you, they used to have just walls of calendars, and now they're down to like one. So they have one shelf versus you know multiple you know kiosk type things set up in their store where they had, you know, just numbers and numbers and numbers of calendars. Um, so I don't know. Calendars scare me a little bit. You know, they, they got a date books. If it takes you five years to sell the sucker, you didn't lose any money. That's uh, true. Calendars, you know, come Jan- come January 1st, whatever's on the shelf, they have the cost. 
So I've had so many people, they never, the ones that are upset are not the, they generally, they didn't start being upset and calling me until after January 1st because they wanted that half price calendar. And that's the very reason that I dropped it. Interesting. Because they were buying it from Barnes and Noble, which half the, you know, the price. So basically I made no money. If it, if they, you know, if they bought 1200 calendars, let's say if they took 1200 calendars, they only paid for what they said they sold. And then whatever they had left over January 1st, we had shared markdowns. So in the end, if it was after January 1st, I got nothing. If they said they only sold 500 out of the thousand, I didn't get the other 500 back. I just got paid for the 500. See what I'm saying? And so, and they had dating that was, uh, I got paid in June. They took them and, you know, so that was a year. So basically they had the calendars for a year and before I got paid anything on them really. So it's a calendars are a dicey situation. <laughs> if, if you're, if you're in it big time. Now, if you have a big enough audience, um, you know, on your social media, um, you know, you could, you could, uh, you could do well with them as long as you don't overbuy, but it's the same with books, you know, uh, being able to, you know, to do a book and, and sell it direct, it'd be pretty amazing. Uh, the deal is, is you need to buy 500 copies. You know, if, if you're printing in the U S uh, and you're trying to buy 250 copies, your book's going to, you're going to have to retail it at, you know, 80 to hundred bucks in order to make any, any, anything on it. Uh, just because, you know, there's, there's costs involved. Last chance to tell us what this future project is. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to jump across the ridges and valleys over into, uh, 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 to the Clinch and to the Cumberlands and uh, up into Southwest Virginia, uh, Upper Northeast Tennessee, Kentucky, and West Virginia. Uh, you know, Central Appalachia. You know, my first book was Appalachia: The Southern Highlands, mm-hmm. and I didn't quite do it justice. Uh, you know, because it was really more of the Blue Ridge instead of you know, central, you know, central Appalachia. I mean, you know, the Blue Ridge, it's all Appalachia, but, uh, and most people don't realize that, uh, you know, this, uh, our area is not Southern Appalachia. It's actually central Appalachia, but, but basically it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a little dusty over there. (laughs) Well, he's Jerry Greer. Watch for his work coming out on his new project teased but not uh described in the fullest so be on the lookout for it and jerry uh thank you so much for coming on well you know thanks for having me and uh you know if you want to check out my work you can uh you know look me up on the internet and you know uh there'll also be a new website uh which will be very specific so i'll have both but uh but yeah it'll, it'll be new as well so, uh, you'll be the first to, to hear about it. And once I can, once I can say, Hey, it's, 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 it's in gear and it's rolling. <laughs> <laughs>
Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much. All right.